Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me again today. I hope yesterday was helpful. We really are spending this week on the power of words and what words do and why words are so important and how we use our words because communication is more than just a word. It is at the rate, the tone, inflection, the pauses, the pacing, all of the facial expressions, our body language, all of that goes into the communication piece and the words that we choose, we want to make sure are also supporting that covert communication that we're also giving the person, which is our body language and our facial expressions and the tone and, and vocal inflection, all these different things. And so we, we talked a lot last week, uh, yesterday, I'm sorry, about this, this idea of the word became flesh and dwelt among us and how important words are to God and that words are used to create something or to destroy something. And we see all through the Bible examples of God using words to do this and speaking things into existence. So there is a lot of power in words. And yesterday we talked some about the brain and how powerful just thinking about a word and what it does to your brain. And and they also have done these great studies that these uh, two gentlemen uh, that wrote the book, Words Can Change Your Brain. And what they really are trying to emphasize is the physical nature of words because they have energy in them and they change things. And one of the things that they have studied is the more negatively you think over a long period of time, you actually change the organic structure of your brain. And negative thinking is toxic to the brain. It harms the brain. You get a wash of stress hormones in less than one-tenth of a second of a negative thought. And so it has a lot to do with mental hygiene as to being a healthy person. Being the best version of you has a lot to do with controlling my mind and choosing what I think on. And we talked yesterday, I gave you some, some of those verses, you know, as a man thinketh within, so he is. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and taking every, cap, every thought captive. So I, I want to read you a couple of more verses about thoughts in the mind. And this is Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So if we don't renew our mind with God's truths, we become more and more conformed to this world versus wanting the world conformed to the image of Christ. That's the calling all of us have on our life. That's part of being created in God's image is to conform the world to the image of Christ. So we have Philippians 4, 8. 
It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And, and you just have to understand, our minds are fallen, and it's like gravity. It's just easier to think negatively. Just easy. Our brains do it for us automatically. Generates all kinds of negative thoughts. And we have to resist it. We have to refute it. Because of the corruptive nature of negative thinking on our own soul, our outlook on life, the way we view humans, the way we view who we think are our enemies, it, it concretizes many of those opinions that may not be true. And then we act out of those feelings because thoughts create feelings. Feelings compel us to action. So we must be very careful about what we think. In Isaiah uh, chapter 26, verse 3, it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Perfect peace comes from a mind that is stayed on God. And I do that because I trust him. The more I think that, the more I trust him. The more I train my brain what to think, it learns. The more I am willing to discipline my mind and to have really good mental hygiene, the more energy I'm going to have because negativity takes energy. Positivity creates energy. And like we, we ended the show yesterday, we were talking about this idea that the more that I am willing to think positively, and I'm not talking about Pollyanna, like thinking things that aren't true. What I'm talking about is thinking on things that are holy, sacred, good, honorable, just, good repute. These are the things I think on. And it causes my brain to be stronger, which strengthens my heart, my emotional realm, which means that all the negative things that go on in the world don't affect me as much. I'm stronger to withstand it. It doesn't mean it doesn't bother me, but it doesn't take me down and cause me to go down that path of nothing's working out, the world's going to hell, we're all, it's all falling apart, and all that negative catastrophizing. That also then affects my body to every, at the cellular level, I'm affected. And it's, a, it's very powerful when you understand that that level of negativity creates so many, such, such great amount of stress hormones in your body that it will cause more fatigue. It will also make you more susceptible to being sick. Now, I'm not telling you that that's the only way that people have gotten sick is because of the way they think. That's just simply not true. But one of the, one of the safeguards God has given us is the power of our mind and that we can choose what to think on. And what to allow ourselves to ruminate on. So you have to recognize that our, our brain is always going to go toward pain. So we have a negative thought. It's going to go there and think on it more. We have to resist it. And so th this whole idea of what makes human communication so unique, it's not just the quality of our, our speech, but the quantity. We use tens of thousands of facial expressions body movements and words and we combine them into endless combinations that allow us to express different nuances meanings and emotion even the simple alteration of the rate and rhythm of our speech can change 
the context of what we say and the way it will be processed in the listener's brain. Now again, word and way. The words I choose and the way I say it. Words can be very incendiary. Inciting have many implications and much meaning, and they create context. They can be insightful and helpful, comforting, informing. The way I say those words includes the tone, the rate, the rhythm, the volume, the inflection, the amount of words, how often I repeat it, my facial, my facial expressions, my body language. See, just as you are listening to my voice right now, I can say the same words in a different way, which directly affects your experience. For example, I can say the sun is bright. The statement has no real verbal consequence, but what happens with the statement that has verbal consequence, right? I can say the sun is bright, or the sun is bright. What about, let's think about this, for example. Let's just take the statement, I need to talk to you. 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 All these different ways. Or how about if I say I love you? How do we say I love you? So recognizing and experiencing how these statements affect me and how they affect me externally helps me understand the power of my own inner speak. So the first way to create these kinder, gentler relationships that we're looking for, the first way to cause me to have more resiliency, more stamina, more compassion and empathy has to be developed within myself. So it's imperative that we recognize the power of words and what we do with them. And so we, we were looking at the significance of words, and we looked at the one here in, in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and, and he was giving words to the emotional state he was in, and he was needing to express himself as a human. And he says, you know, at one point to them, my, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. See, these feelings, his heart, he was saying this also to his disciples when he had direct access to God. And, and he also then said to his father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And he's frustrated with the disciples. He's, he's saying, are you still sleeping and resting? My hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Here comes my betrayer. So we are not to feel, quote-unquote, above the need to communicate. Jesus is giving the best example of being human. He needed to communicate, although he was God. He is still needing to talk to God. This is a great picture of humans' need to express to another their feelings, their thoughts, their hopes, their dreams. So Jesus still needed to, quote-unquote, tell God how he felt and ask God for something, even though he was God, and he knew everything and was talking to God who knew everything. There, there's a, a myriad of examples throughout the Bible of people communicating verbally, as well as the Bible being the prime example of the written word. A way for God to write down all that is in his heart, all that is in his thoughts, 
and all the ways in which he communicates to his people. This part of being made in the image of God, an integral part of being human, because we will become sick if we do not express ourselves. It's this fascinating process, the therapeutic process, and I've, I've been a therapist now 28 years, and it's amazing what happens to people when they come in my office and they pour out their heart and they connect with someone and they are heard and they are allowed to express it and to say what needs to be said, to say what they feel like maybe they can't say, to unburden their heart. And so frequently it's this strange, this strange event that all they did was talk and connect and express. Nothing changed, but all of a sudden everything changed. They had more energy. They had more stamina. They have a new way of thinking about the very problem that they came in with. And so even though nothing physically changed, everything changed for them. So this issue of communication... You need to realize the need, the power, and the necessity of it. And learning to be a good communicator means I take words seriously. Words have power. Words create things. Words destroy things. So it's imperative that I choose my words well. I don't just blithely just say whatever I think or feel. I need to remember that once that word is spoken out into the air, I cannot take it back. It has power. It's going to do something. It will either create something or destroy something. So people think a lot of times there's no valid reason for expressing what they think or feel. And usually that's because maybe they were made fun of. Or they were talked out of how they feel. Or they were told they were wrong or stupid. And maybe you've learned it's not safe to talk about your internal world. But you still need to. And if that means talking out loud, talk out loud. It really does help people a lot to talk out loud. And today you can currently do it because everyone will just think you're on your phone, right? So you can really speak out how you are feeling. And many times when we hear ourselves say it, it's very validating. And, and we, it causes us to think and think about what it is that we're saying. And we get more insight into it. So God values our feelings and our thoughts. He wants us to talk to him. This is because this is part of how we are made, and he's not ashamed of us. He doesn't think our internal world is silly or ridiculous or stupid or bad. He loves us. Truly, it is what it is, and God accepts it. Even if he doesn't agree with everything I'm thinking— and whatever feelings are coming from it or whatever things I want to do or feel compelled to do. He accepts it because he accepts me as I am while he is changing me. See, until God infuses himself into whatever the situation is, I will continue to be in pain, in confusion and condemnation. That's why I want to invite God into it, and I need to tell him, not just assume he knows. I need to speak it, either in my heart, in my mind to God, write it down, talk it out loud. And so many times people say to me, or or maybe you say this to yourself, 
about why you justify not communicating. Maybe you say, well, what's the point? It doesn't do any good to talk about negative things. I don't want to hurt someone, so what good does it do to talk about it? Or maybe you say it just makes things worse or it complicates things if I talk about it. It's best to keep well enough alone and I want to avoid conflict. Or maybe you say, you know, God, or maybe, you know, your spouse or your friend, they already know how I think and how I feel. I don't need to keep talking about it. Well, I say to people, you need to talk about it until you don't need to talk about it anymore. If it's going around in your head, hurting your heart, upsetting your gut, it needs to come out. It needs to be put into words and spoken because it's a real thing and words make things real. So maybe you say, I'm not sure of what I'm thinking or feeling. Well, a lot of times what happens is once you start talking, it starts coming. And maybe you say it's never worked for me in the past to talk about or express what I think or feel. I think it's just a headache or a backache, right? And so instead of talking about what we're really feeling or what we're really thinking, we might make it a physical complaint. Oh, I'm just tired. Oh, I'm probably hungry. Oh, I'm making a big deal out of nothing. Or I'm sure it's because I'm oversensitive, right? Listen, God never minimizes, condemns, derides, disapproves our feelings or our thoughts or our concerns. He loves us. He may not want us to act on it, and he may want us to be very, uh, very careful and use wisdom as to who we speak some of this to. But he understands the need to talk. And that's the example we have with Jesus. So we are made to communicate And what's most important for us is to establish is that the communication skills we're discussing today transcend business and personal and political arenas. Because if I'm truly being my own best version, I will be communicating in a very congruent manner. So this is the example of Christ. He didn't need to employ a different skill set for the different arenas he was speaking and interacting with. He was congruent, mature, operating out of love, and very highly connected to the vision and the purpose his father had created for him. So how how does that translate to us? How do I become more congruent? Well, first and foremost, it means I need to be working on understanding my own internal world. That is, being able to identify the difference between feelings and thoughts. And I need to be willing to be authentic and honest and transparent with God and myself. So this means intellectual and emotional honesty. Honestly working on an issue and most importantly, being transparent. Now, it's not always healthy or wise to be transparent with everybody. But we need to have transparency. We need to be honest about what's going on in our internal world. Otherwise, our internal world will become externalized without us realizing it. And you may have experienced this before, where you thought you had something under control. Let's say someone offended you, and you thought you kind of had it taken care of, but you actually just kind of stuffed it. And so you see that person, and all of a sudden, you you lose it. It all starts coming out. Or you avoid them. Or maybe it comes out on someone else. Maybe it comes out in the way you drive. And you think, what's wrong with me? Why am I in a bad mood? Why? What is wrong with me? Well, maybe there's something rolling around inside your heart, your head, that you haven't dealt with. And it will continue to grow 
because I, I wish that hurts and offenses and feelings and thoughts, I wish these things just took care of themselves. But that's part of being an adult. It's part of being human. I take care of my internal world. And so I need to be willing to do this with another person. So what I recommend oftentimes is you journal about it, talk to yourself in the mirror, talk to yourself while you're driving, whatever it is that you're doing, so that you get a pretty good handle on what's going on with you. And if you can't, then many times it does help just to say to someone, I I just got to talk to you. I do not know what's going on with me. Something's wrong. Something's bothering me. And just the interaction many times will help to give you some of that insight. And ask God, say, God, search my heart. Know my mind. Find if there's anything wrong, sinful inside of me. And let the Holy Spirit reveal to you. Because God is not going to reveal it to shame you. He's going to reveal it to set you free. And so it also helps then to find out if I actually need to say it out loud to another person. Sometimes I need to say it out loud to the person that it's not about. And I need to get it out, and that needs to be a safe person, not a person that I'm gossiping with or deriding the person I'm upset with. Sometimes that helps me to know, you know what, I do need to talk to this person about it. But I kind of practiced it with someone else that was safe. And so I need to be pursuing identity, purpose, vision with my creator. This is, this is part of knowing who I am. And James 5.16, it says, So admit to one another that you have sinned. Pray for one another so you might be healed. The prayer of a godly person is powerful. It makes things happen. And so being a godly person doesn't mean being without sin. Part of being a godly person is being in charge of my own internal world so it doesn't spill out unnecessarily on people. So we're going to end with that verse again because we're at the end of the hour and I'm going to give you one more. And this is James 5.16. It says, admit to one another that you have sinned. Pray for one another so you might be healed. The prayer of a godly person is powerful. It makes things happen. So I need to work with God on being aware of my feelings and my thoughts. And I need to be willing to take responsibility for what I feel and think. And I need to be willing to express what I feel and think if it's healthy. And I need to have courage to do that, especially if it's relational. I can't just keep hiding things from people I'm trying to be in relationship with and expect there to be intimacy. So Psalms 56.11 says, In God I trust and I am not afraid. What can man do to me? So we need to be people of courage when we are being transparent. And we need to have godly wisdom as to how transparent to be and when. And we need to know our internal world and what words we use, why we use them. And we need to be very careful about how we think. So this is Cynthia Hyde again with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you join. Uh, look at the website. Lots of good things there. You can listen to the show in its entirety. We have one more that we're going to do on words. And then Thursday and Friday, we have Tim Cameron with his words, 40-day word fast. Have a great day.
to hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.